Sonic State Roscom. Hello everybody, welcome to Sonic Talk number 215, uh, recording live today, Wednesday the 27th of April, just prior to the uh, the wedding, you'll probably no doubt be aware of uh, the, the Royals. Uh, I'd like to introduce my guests here, uh, who have taken time out of their busy Royal watching schedules to join us. Uh, we'll start with Gaz Williams, who I'm just fondling uh, there, underneath, uh, if you can see, you feel that little bit of tickling. Gaz Williams, of course, songsurgeon.co.uk, uh, based in Bristol, our Welsh record producer. How are you, Gaz? Yeah, I'm, I'm really good. Thank you very much. Um, yes, so uh, I guess I'm modelling my T-shirt again. Oh, yeah, let's have I a look at your new T-shirt. I'm really proud of it. It says, is there gas in the car? Yes, there's gas in the car. So, Excellent. I don't know if that means anything to anyone. Not to me. Oh, sure. Is it a Blues Brother thing? Nope. It's a lyric from a Steely Dan song. Yay! Is there gas in the car? Yes, there's gas in the... Yes, I know that, actually. Uh, oh, gosh, that's from... Um... Da, 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 da. Oh. Kid Charlemagne. Kid Charlemagne, right, thank you. Well done. Got uh, there and, in I, the end. I got, and I got this T-shirt in recognition of Owsley Stanley, the uh, LSD maker who died recently uh, because the song oh. Kid Charlemagne is kind of based on him, really. So, uh, oh, sweet. That was... <laughs> Excellent. Well, um, hello and welcome. And then we'll go over here to uh, Dave Spears, who's in his. It's sort of well. There's not a lot of natural daylight in there, Dave. And looking, judging by the the look of you, you've not been um, enjoying the fruits of the British premature summertime like the rest of me. Anyway, at least. <laughs> no, I got out on Sunday afternoon. That was nice. Excellent. Other than other than that, no, I've been in. You've just been in, inside, <laughs> as opposed yes. to outside. You're the sort of the opposite of the George Michael song. You should do one yes. called Inside. Let's go inside. I'm doing a lot of singing let's, today. I must stop let's that. Let's just stay inside, yeah. Must, must be the painkillers. Anyway, g4software.com. Uh, I'm sure that we know that you're doing lots of stuff, so there must be something afoot, which I'm sure we're all going to be made aware of at some point in the future. You notice I yeah, was I... totally bereft of any time frames there. Yeah, yeah, you can say a month, but I can't confirm what year. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, well, thank you very much for joining us too. And then I'm going to go over here to Rich Hilton, who's over there in sunny Connecticut. Rich Hilton, of course, uh, studio engineer, just come back off tour in Japan with uh, Sheik, where he was playing keyboards, piano, that kind of thing. Uh, Rich Hilton, Hiltonius on MySpace and um, Facebook and all those things. How are you, Rich? Very well, thank you. Very well. Good. Glad to hear you. Yeah. Well, where do we start? It's been a bit, it has been a little bit slow this week uh, in terms of news for me. There seem to be a lot of um, deaths, which is never a great way to <laughs> to celebrate a week. So perhaps I won't go there too much, but perhaps we could start with some, some other things. I'm going to see if I can play some vid now because um, I've, got, I've got some movies here. Let's have a look. Where's that? I think we'll start with uh, this guy and I'll flip it over. You'll have to tell me whether you can hear it or not. Uh, is it on? Yeah. Hello! Fap! Hi, this is 2D from Gorillaz. Uh, I want to show you this new app that I put together using bits of the Korg Islet drive I had scattered around my floor. That's one of the killer apps I used to make Gorillaz, the fool. I've rammed it full of juicy gorillas and stuck it back together, creating the Korg Islet drive Gorillaz edition. Out now in App Store. 
Anyway, let's fire it up and take a look. Swoosh! Right, let's get... Let's, let's listen, yeah, let's listen to some noise. Anyway, there it is. That's the new iElectribe Gorillas edition from uh, from Korg, um, which I, I did get a bit of a kind of heads up on that because I heard that, that something was coming, and um, it certainly was. It's sort of an interesting concept. It's in, in some ways, Dave. It reminds me a little bit of the uh, the iDrum kind of underworld thing. You know, linking the artists together with sample packs and doing it that sort of thing. Would you say that's a fair um, assimilation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the first thing I thought when I saw it, actually. I haven't had a chance to download it or do anything about it. Uh, apparently, uh, for the first 10,000 units sold, it's going to be at the the price of nine ninety nine. I don't know if it's the full Electribe kind of thing. It certainly seems to have a flavour. I know, Rich, you're quite uh, fond of the Korg app makers. I mean, they do generally and have been doing a really good job. You know, they've got some... Some some great stuff going on. Certainly, the IMS twenty we've uh, we've all been very pleased with. Did you get the iElectribe because it was the first big music app, wasn't it? Really? Yeah, I got the first Electribe and played around with it a bit, and it's fun. Um, and I'm sure this thing's fun too. I have no doubt. I didn't have a chance to pull it down and play with it, but uh, really like the idea. And graphics look nice, and I'll bet you it's really well done, as you say. I'm sure it is. Um, just a quick bullet points: 128 Gorilla Sound. Uh, using the Electribe uh, engine, 64 preset patterns, uh, apparently eight parts categorized by instrumental category. Each part provides 16 sounds, 128 sounds. The Gorilla's Wave function lets you use 16-step buttons to switch sounds, intuitively manipulating the sounds as part of your musical performance. There it all is. I don't know, some of it, some of me, part of me sort of thinks, I'm not so sure about this kind of thing, because it, it, it kind of moves it back into the toy novelty kind of game thing. I don't know how do you feel about that, Dave. I mean, because you put something together with the unders. I mean, how did it, did, were you think, think about these kind of things which are linked to artists? Are they, are they novelty or do they have real use, do you think? I don't know. I mean, with the unders, it was slightly different because they'd never, ever done anything like it before. And we, it was kind of... It was an experiment, and it was a kind of engineering experiment for me to see if I could kind of put two camps of people that I like together. Um, but in terms of real usage, I mean, I know with this one you have to get sample clearance, don't you, if you want to use it on anything commercial. Oh, I suppose, and yeah, I'm of course. sure it's probably the same. I, see, I, I did skip over to the iTunes site and have a look at it, and there was a couple of people whinging, which is only to be expected. Yeah, it's like first comment on YouTube, first criticism on iTunes App Store. <laughs> mm. I don't know. I, I mean, I think um, that that's an interesting point about the uh, you know the sample clearance and the rights because I mean, ultimately, you put something like this out there and it's like a little sort of litigation time bomb. You know, you're you're thinking of your children's future when you put something like this out there as the artist, perhaps. I don't know if you it's a, depending on how you do the rights. It's funny with the unders thing. I think it, you know, it's it's definitely a sort of fan tool and toy, and and I kind of like that aspect of it. But uh, with this, I don't know. It's a bit more. It's sort of purporting to be a bit more serious, isn't it? Uh, well, yeah, apparently so. Um, I, I think the I Electribe. I mean, again, for me, it's not. I, I just don't work in that pattern kind of way. Um, Gaz, thoughts? Um, well, I just. Just then, it was just making me think about a way, you know, there's an interesting way of, uh, you know, cross-marketing, uh, you know, uh, 
so if record sales are sort of declining then sort of opening up other ways of like marketing the music it seems like that that is what it is and it was making me think of uh todd rundgren who sort of actually did that in the early 90s didn't he he did like a a cd-rom um oh he was the apple he was the apple wonderkin wasn't he He was the first real sort of apple endorsed artist as far as i remember he was doing that sort of like gosh i guess nearly 20 years ago and uh it's just quite interesting now that everything's just kind of catching up with his original idea um although i'm sure it would have been probably quite painful to create a piece of music on uh using cd-rom um kind of software um but no, I think it's I think it's interesting. I think it's it's ways I do see it purely as marketing rather than as anything other than that. But if you're a fan of gorillas and I think you'd have a lot of fun with it, but outside of that, I don't see any particular value. Yeah, well, fair enough. I know, Rich, it's, 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 it is a promotional thing, I guess. I mean, I know if you have to use it uh, elsewhere, then you probably um, shouldn't, I suppose. <laughs> you, should, you shouldn't be downloading it as a serious music creation tool. More of a bit of fun. Anyway, you know, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, available now. I don't know how far... Uh, they, I think they've, they, they decide when Take 10K has been announced by the 28th. So tomorrow, I don't wonder how many sort of downloads or something like this you get. I mean, they are pretty massive, aren't they, Gorillas? They should get a decent amount of publicity. Right, um, I've got something else I can play now as well. Um, let's see, I'm going to the next thing. Oh, yes, another hollow sun instrument. Gosh, those guys have been busy. Let's see if I can get this to play. I won't play the whole lot because I'm sort of starting to kind of get into that blissful place and starting to think that perhaps I could be doing some <laughs> some relaxation CD or something. But yeah, that's great. That's another Hollow Sun. I mean, Hollow Sun did something um, which we were really pleased about, which is the Oscillocyne, which I know, Dave, uh, Rich, you were you were bowled over by. And this sounds like another thing. And what this is is it's um, it's sam- samples from the Hammond Solo Vox, which is a little under keyboard thing. Um, that was kind of supposed to go along with a Hammond. It was built between 1940 and 48 by Hammond, apparently. Three octave short key keyboard stored on sliding mounting under the piano keyboard with a knee-operated volume control. It was connected to the electronic sound generation box and speaker housing by three thick cables. It was desired, derived from a single LC oscillator which have a frequency range of one octave. This, again, is eight bucks. Uh, you do need contact... Uh, it's, well, hold on, let me... More bullet features, 48... Okay, I'll do the features later. What did you think, Rich? I know you were a fan last time, and we do. You do need the contact um, engine for point two point two or higher, and you need, uh, or you can use the contact player. But apparently, it's uh, it'll only work in demo mode. Did you? Uh, are you going to get this? Eight bucks? I mean, be rude before not to. the demo. 
before the demo had finished playing. <laughs> You'd clicked. I had purchased it. <laughs> Good for you, mate. It's I, I do like what they're doing. I mean, and I'm just thinking, you know, how many would you need to sell at eight bucks? I mean, what if you sold like three or four hundred? Is that reasonable, Dave? You're a software developer. Is that a reasonable sort of count to to, to for something like this? Uh, yeah, well, you'd hope for more, right? It, okay. And it would work mathematically as long as you don't have to support it, right? It's the I... support that gobbles up the cash and the time. And the brain cells. <laughs> oh, look, I can see, Dave, that was said with some bitter experience there. <laughs> but, uh, well, I don't know. I, I'm, I think I'm going to have to get me some contact engine business because this looks like it's kind of, again, good stuff. And the thing is, is it's, it's kind of boutique sample creation. And obviously, he's really got his scripting together. Um, which is really sort of, you know, that they've as either uh, Steve Howell's got the scripting or he's got someone who can do the scripting, which is creating these, which makes it really sort of playable. Gaz, did you did you get Oscillocene? Did you check that out? Yeah, I did. I got that. Uh, great. Um, and there's another, there's a third one as well, isn't there, in the uh, in the range? Um, I can't remember what it's called now. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I really like this, uh, the way that you can really customise the GUI on it. And they've done a great job making it look, uh, you know, really inviting to use. Um, I thought your silly... Uh, I can't say... How do you pronounce it? Oscillocene. yeah. I thought that was superb, so uh, I will definitely get this one as well. Um, they, yeah, um, this, this, this is called uh, uh, Broken, uh, mm-hmm. and it's, uh, it's actually misspelt and stuff. You know, envelope is en- envelope. Yeah. And things like that, you know, yeah. it's just nice little touches, you know, giving it a bit of quirky, of quirkiness. I wonder how many uh, tech support questions they'll be getting. Uh, where is the envelope? I cannot find it because it's been spelt wrongly. Uh, or I think the price point you spelt it wrong. Yeah, more more like yeah. <laughs> uh, the price point's great though. I think it's a really you know it's really refreshing. Um, you know, because you think you're not going to use it on that many projects, I wouldn't imagine. So. You know, I, th- I think um, I think that kind of price point, if it can do it for them at that price, then brilliant. Excellent. Yeah. Um, Forty-eight K, twenty-four bit samples uh, from a rare Hammond Solovox or Solovox, uh, unique, unique. Uh, unique interface featuring home-built-looking GUI. Uh, no, no, no qualms about that. Uh, low and high-pass filter, multi-wave LFO, bit cruncher, distortion, phase shifter, and echo. Convolved reverb featuring v- vintage reverb script. <laughs> featuring vintage spring reverbs. God, I can't speak. Uh, yes, and as I said, requires contact 4.2.2 or higher and will work with the free contact player, but only in demo mode. And the session will be time limited, so perhaps not much use there. I don't know what does contact cost. I don't even know. Actually, I, I should have looked it up. It's yeah, couple hundred, couple hundred, couple hundred yeah. probably. Maybe, uh, maybe that's the thing. Still, kind of fun. Uh, sorry, I'm getting some funny buzzing noises. I'm not. <laughs> I'm doing my best. I'm. I'm just like to say uh, I've got. One of the topics later on is about posture and backs because I'm suffering quite heavily from a bad back, so I'm a little bit out of it on painkillers at the moment, but clearly not quite enough of them. That's all I can say because that's, that's <laughs> me sort of flexing around and looking a bit uncomfortable at time time to time. That's why. Um, and I'm looking for sympathy, obviously, to a wider audience. Oops, there we go. And there's the phone. Maybe that's the sympathy right there. Just one second. 
Uh, right, okay, yeah, that's Hollow Sun, uh, H2, that's broken. Um, anyone got anything else to add to that, or can we move, we move on? We're going to go through these really fast, aren't we? I'm going to have to start bullshit, um, treading water, <laughs> talking, talking nonsense. Sure, that was close, wasn't it? That was a close one. That nearly slipped out there. <laughs> yes, uh, Azio Head says, I need muscle relaxants. That's very true. I have been taking ibuprofen, and every day I put uh, ice and um, hot water bottle on it, apparently. And I did get manipulated yesterday, which just actually made it incredibly more painful. But, you know, it's all part of the healing process. I suppose we could go on to that topic, seeing as I'm actually, you know, moaning about it so much um, before we get anywhere else. Uh, it's a little out of sequence. I'm terribly sorry for that. But basically, yeah, ouch. And you know what it was that did my back? It was laptop use because I'm always looking down at my screen. Have to, I've used the laptop for years and years and years. And what it does is it's compressed the uh, disc in my neck which has caused the ligaments to get become screwy and I've got, you know, it makes a pain down one arm and numbness and all this sort of thing. And I thought, oh, it's just me, isn't it? I don't know anybody else like this. And I went on holiday and I spoke to my brother-in-law and he said, oh, yeah, I've got that. And I spoke to another bloke that we met at the holiday party and he says, yeah, I suffered from that. Then I met another guy in PC World yesterday when I was looking for a laptop stand to raise the screen up so I wasn't looking down at it. And he said, yeah, I've had that too. So I'm guessing <laughs> it's fairly likely that one of you three have had it as well. Is that true? Not from a laptop, no. But I've had horrendous back nonsense over the years. Um, changing my chair did it. Actually sorted it out. Really? Yeah, that was a massive, massive difference. I mean, I had, I, I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? Because I had a situation where I couldn't actually put any weight on my legs. And I'm kind of like, I know the muscles are still there. I know that they work, <laughs> so why can't I actually walk up and down stairs and stuff like that? Utterly mental and horrible. I completely sympathise with anybody who had it. But no, I changed my chair and it sorted everything out pretty much. Well, I've had this before. That, I'm a good I, um, yeah. chiropractor. I've had this before and it's just going to take a little bit of time, unfortunately. But, I mean, this is the other thing. I mean, what do you do? You know, it, it's very easy because, obviously, when you're working hard and you concentrate, I think it's very easy to forget about posture. And I'm starting to work on um, doing... Um, you know, changing things. One of the things I did is I bought a, a massive 24-inch monitor, which now all my main stuff's up there, so now I'm looking up at it. And I'm going to raise this up so that it's all up in the air, so I'll be looking up rather than down in the future. I'll just move that. I think I'm back on screen. So that's the one thing that I've been told to do. Uh, I mean, I've got a, a decent chair, but, uh, I mean, Gaz, because you're, you're, you you're working in the studio a lot, do you kind of pay attention mm. to this kind of thing? What do you do? Well... A few years ago, I bought one of those kneely posture stools that, you know, uh, that you're kind of like kneeling. And, uh, and I used that for years. Um, but then I read recently that there's actually no evidence that they actually help you at all. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I've been perched on that for years now. So, uh, so I've, just, I've just gone out and bought myself a, a new chair recently, which is uh, super. Um, but uh, I remember a few years ago, I had a really bad back for some reason. It may have been to do with computer use. Um, and I was like, I could only walk at about 45, you know, with my back <laughs> bent at 45 degrees. And um, I had a really gig, big gig to play with, uh, spiritualized. And, um, and I was uh, really a bit worried about it because of my, uh, my angle. And uh, a friend gave me some powerful medication. I can't actually <laughs> remember what it <laughs> I can't remember what it was, but... It enabled me to stand up, and I mean, I was kind of jumping around, gigging then with my with my bass, and the next day, absolutely perfect, 
They just was, need loosening up. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. And maybe just the, the weight of the bass and standing and performing and maybe a bit of adrenaline, it, it cured it. And it hasn't How been bizarre. back since. Yeah, really bizarre. <laughs> uh, I lo- thought I was going to really pay the price the next day, but... Lagrange Audio in the chat room, who I believe is Australia, so goodness knows what time it is, has said, Vod- <laughs> vodka helps. <laughs> and that's true. Alcohol does seem to help, um, although not in this instance. But uh, uh, the other thing that I was told about were these um, saddle chairs, which are a bit like uh, they're a bit like the Neely things, except they're they're a stool with uh, a chair, a seat that's like a saddle. So it forces you to stay upright and keeps your head in this position. So you end up with a kind of much sort of better posture. Because I mean, that's the thing in a chair, it's very easy just to sort of slouch and bend down and all that. And I think that's kind of what does it as far as I know. I know, I, I mean, but we've all had back problems. I'm rich. I, 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 can we come to you? Are you, uh, are you free? That was a very yes, well, sorry. very well handled phone call. I have to say there. What was it for you? Was it, um, <laughs> can you, can you remember to bring some eggs back from work or? No, no, it was work related. I wouldn't have known. The eggs, the eggs can wait. (laughs) No, this, and and it related to somebody who's visiting from out of the country, who's here to find something. So it wasn't something that could easily be put off without really badly inconveniencing those people. So fair enough. I think that's that adds it all up. In fact, um, all anyway, back to back problems. Back to the back problems. I've had many. Oh, many, many, many. Going back many years and lots of different. Uh, treatments. Right now, I have no back problems. I am pain-free and fairly flexible, and it's all good. Um, and my sympathies are huge for this because there's nothing good about it. There's nothing to like about it. I find, in my case, a combination of deep tissue massage, which tends to be pretty painful when it's going on. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, And good chiropractic tends to repair me within a fairly reasonable period of time. Do you, what do you do about posture and kind of, you know, cause you, you're working on a door now. It's not like sitting at a console, you know, it, it's a different working position and different use of arms and what have you. Do you kind of do something specific to try and minimize the impact that that repetitive stuff has on your body? Well, I'm just sort of attuned to being in a good position to play as a piano player. Like I learned at a very early age how to approach a piano seating. And I guess the way I approach DAW is not that dissimilar insofar as my desks tend to be lower than most people's so that my, so that my wrist position here, I'm going to show you on cam, is straight across here, which is kind of how you're supposed to be playing piano and keyboards. And I'm, I just kind of fall into that naturally. But do I have great posture? No. <laughs> Right. You know, so, you know, but I, I don't usually hurt myself. I haven't had repetitive stress injuries in over 20 years. And oh, well, uh, I, yeah, it seemed to be all right. But it does seem to be a fairly serious and fairly ongoing kind of problem to people who are working with computers all the time. And, and, and there's lots of chat, you know, lots of uh, help in the chat room here, you know, basically take lots of breaks, get up, move around, you know, that's one of the things. But, I mean, that's the, one of the problems. I mean, Dave, you must get this a lot because, you know, you're working intensively to deadlines uh, and, you know, you, have, you, you find yourself just being stuck in the same position for ages. I mean, are you disciplined enough to do that kind of stuff or do you just kind of go, ouch, I, I shouldn't have been working in that position for so long? Uh, I'm really, really undisciplined. In fact, really bad. <laughs> I'm n- nagged at every single day. I come in here at 8 o'clock... I sit down, I might get up once or twice, 
and then I leave here at about eight or nine o'clock. So I'm sitting here for pretty much 12, 13 hours a day at the minute. Ooh. Now, somebody, I think it was Robbie Ryan, posted a really interesting thing on Facebook, which says about sitting all day is worse for you than you might think. And it was a really good link, actually, really quite helpful. But seriously, I mean, you know, Louise is really fit and she nags me every single day. Well, I mean, once it goes, you just really appreciate how uh, how bad it, you know, how bad, how good it is to not have a bad back. I guess. I mean, I'm, I've been blessed with 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 it for a while, so I guess I'm just getting the payback at the moment. But hopefully, it'll all sort of settle down soon. But it, it, this really wasn't the idea of a sympathy topic. It was kind of the idea was to just try and kind of figure out what other people are doing about it because it it is much more common than you think. Very quickly, um, Chris has got these, because he does all this mad cycling stuff, Chris has got these really neat videos about um, core muscle strength. And he suffered quite badly. And then when he started really getting into these, I don't think he suffered since. Oh, really? Mm. Combine fitness with door operation. Yeah, go, Gaz. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I, I bought one of these, uh, like, uh, monitor uh, arms so you can swing your monitor, put a monitor on. I think they're quite old. You can get them cheap from second-hand shops and stuff. and um, But I, I put my keyboard and mouse on it, and it's enabled me to to, to put the keyboard and mouse into a really, really nice position. Um, so I'm not actually having to stoop or bend at all for, for operating it. In fact, I can kind of... I can get in a really nice position. And I reckon that it's worth... I think a lot of my friends who do stuff, they, they're always hunched. They're hunching a lot. So I think just really trying to avoid that hunch whenever possible. I don't hunch at all in my in my workspace, and I think uh, I think that really helps. Yeah, I think that that definitely makes makes help. I mean, you know, yeah. I've, I've been working with uh, uh, with golf rap over the years, and Will's got a terrible. He has no. He doesn't have a decent chair. He needs to buy himself a decent yeah. chair because he's yeah. he's going to get some serious trouble there. But um, yeah. yes, but really, I mean, you know, people who are thinking, ah, oh, this is all nonsense. I mean, really, you've really got to, uh, uh, you really do have to, have to make sure that you take care of it because otherwise, it will come and bite you on the backside like it has for me <laughs> unfortunately uh, anyway um hopefully it'll all be well and good in the future but uh take it from us look after your back kids uh <laughs> anyway but on that uh, up note we'd like to say um like to say thank you very much to everybody uh to yamaha for their continued sponsorship of the show um basically what we're talking about this week is the n series digital mixing well the analog mixing consoles with digital audio built in the n series uh, they call it the musician's mixing console that it's a combines the power of digital with the feel of analog analog uh, characterized mic preamps bring un Unrivaled audio purity. They've also got a tight integration with Cubase AI software. Uh, there's You even get a Cubase-ready CD. Once connected over Firewire to Cubase, it becomes a perfect audio partner. That's the blurb, of course. You get the characterized N mic preamp. You get sweet spot morphing compressor on each channel. You get advanced integration with Cubase. High Z input for direct guitar or bass recording. Wide range of musical EQ. High resolution Rev X reverb. Uh, fully integrated pro level audio uh, monitoring suite. Auxiliary sense for artist monitoring and external processing, dry or wet monitoring control, 24-bit 96K quality. Basically, they come as an N8, an 8-channel, an N12, 12-channel. Both modules feature the same mic preamps, the same effects, and the same sweet spot compression technology. Uh, We would advise you to check them out. You can go to yamahadownload.com 
and find uh, one of the local Pulse stores in the UK or please go to anywhere in the world that you might be listening from. Check them out if you're in the market for a new monitor, uh, a new mixing desk. Uh, once again, that's the Yamaha N-Series mixing consoles. Thank you very much again for the continued sponsorship of the show. Ah, yes, this was fun. The Wilhelm Scream. Let's see if we can get that going. That's... Let's see uh, if I can get that. Ah, yes. Uh, put that in there. Here it comes. I'm sorry about that. I've got it. Here it comes. As you can see, there's a selection there of uh, a selection of screams. This is called the Wilhelm screen, and it's it's a sound effect that's, that just has found its way into a number of uh, different um, movies over the years. Uh, hold on, I'm doing this all wrong now. Here we go. Oh, dear. Uh, and it's called The Wilhelm Scream. It's first recorded in 1951 for a film called Distant Drums, and it's become a bit of a sound editor's inside joke, finding infamy when sound magician Ben Burt snuck it into the films he was working on, Star Wars, Indiana Jones and the like. And it's just a great... It just turns up in loads of things. And I have, I've got an ear for this kind of thing, and I've never really noticed that before, but seeing them all together is just hilarious. I really enjoyed that. And also, there's, yeah. there's a particular, which you hear a lot in UK dramas, a particular kind of squeaky gate that's just got an exact sort of tonal fingerprint that always ends up in these things and it just struck me as a kind of fun thing i mean there must be lots of these around um you know in terms of just using sounds and i think it's i think we should do more of this you know every mix you do you should try and get you know something like that in just to kind of just as a as a as a as a part i can see you chuckling there away rich have you any thoughts on this have you did did you know about this first of all i didn't and really enjoyed it. In fact, it was so much fun. One of my sons came upstairs to check out what I was looking at. And we both had a good laugh over it. Um, wow, you can hear the birds outside. Did you hear that? That was great. Um, <laughs> it's, it was big fun. I loved it. Made me want to scream all morning long. It almost makes you wonder because it's so ubiquitous. If there was some guy, some film editor sitting there with a sample of the thing, just superimposing it on every scene that went by. Yeah, I wonder you know, whether it gets... You know, the sound editor does his own thing and then they have a special screen opportunity editor who just goes through every single film to see if he can just about... if he can fit one in anywhere. Uh, Number Cruncher says in the chat room, I thought all gates squeak like that. You mean they're not all the same? Um, but, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Dave, have you, uh, do you have something like this that you use or like to kind of try and slip into anything that you do or is it, uh, it uh, always totally original with your work? Uh, no, just swear words for me, really. Uh, uh, no, but I was aware of this, weirdly enough. I've got a mate who's an audio editor for films and stuff and does a lot of Foley stuff. And uh, he said, and I'd forgotten the name, but he said, there's this scream, there's a ricochet uh, gunshot yeah. that you'll hear in virtually everything. And there was one other one. Oh, it was the Hollywood Edge 
uh, car crash, you know, the way they've mic'd the inside of a car and kind of thrown it off a cliff. And you hear that loads. In fact, I even heard it on that clip, on those clips. Yeah, I've got quite a lot of Hollywood. I've got the whole Hollywood Edge uh, sound like. We've got the 9000 series, Warner Brothers, Hanna-Barbera. I've got, you know, I've got a big, well, I don't know where it is at the moment, but a big sort of wodge of those things. Bef- back in the, before the internet, I, I bought them for some CD-ROM work and used them as sound effects. And that's where my sque- squeaky gate came from. <laughs> Gas. Yes. <laughs> I was wondering if anyone's actually built a tune with the Amen loop and the Wilhelm scream, you know, just uh, <laughs> that might be quite... <laughs> uh, Yes, uh, according to but, um, uh, according to Waif, uh, synth, Synthtopia, where I found this, it's the Amen break of cinema SFX. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Years ago, I had, uh, I had some recordings of some farts and uh, I tried to put them into different productions I was doing, just uh, <laughs> sl- slipping them in. In fact, my first ever mastering, my first ever mastering job, uh, it was a really quite an awful song by quite a famous person, and um, just on the on the downbeat of the first chorus as it came in, <laughs> big build up. <laughs> you just put it in there just to know that it was there. Yeah, extremely <laughs> unprofessional, but uh, yeah. <laughs> just about get it, just about audible. <laughs> did uh, were you were you uh, were you? Uh, did anyone notice? Uh, well, they didn't come back to me about it, but um, they also didn't come back to me about any other work either. So. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, that's brilliant. I really like that. <laughs> what a cracker! I could, I can let you into one secret here. The. Uh, Mtron uses these things called CPT files, and we do get quite a lot of people saying, what's that file format? And uh, it was named after a woman who worked for us quite briefly, who was what we describe as a corporate professional trollop. (laughs) And it it stuck. (laughs) And that became our file name. Ah, so she used you mean she used her wily ways to to climb the the, the, the corporate ladder? A woman yeah. leaves. Right. Yeah. So we kind of got our own back. It was a long she's, time she's immortalized ago. in a in a CPT file type. Yeah, <laughs> she never knew. She just never knew. Well she be she does now, yeah. perhaps. It's gonna drive you nuts though now, isn't it? Every single film you're gonna be listening for it. Yeah. Well I use, I always I use um the same drums in almost every single mix I do, but that's only because I like the sound of them. But it's the what are they? The, the Kawai R50. They're just really low grade, and you could when you crunch them up and do horrible things to them, they just sound brilliant. They've got so much snap to them. Yeah, it's jolly good stuff. Anyway, wow. that's kind of totally unrelated, but um, I don't know. I, I, I tend to use a lot. Of, I, I, I do Secrets. use other stuff too. Uh, not that I work very often. I mean, on that sort of thing. Although I did get a gig last night. I got a phone call last night at 6 o'clock, right? Um, got this Lady Gaga mix. We've got to finish it by tomorrow. Can you help out? So I did wow. some drums, my, they, and they might actually end up on the record, and it's an official one too, so I'm quite excited about that. Wow. I mean, you know, not that it means anything much, but, you know, just, just those little things occasionally, you know, pick your week up, forget, make yeah. you forget you've got a backache. Uh, mm. Right, what else have we got? We've got the Willem Scream. Uh, no, 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 uh, oh, there was one other thing, is there not? Ah, this was the 1950s talking computer. I think we should definitely have a look at that. Let me see if I can get that on. Because this has some other interesting ramifications. 
It's quite a long intro on this. This is what we've all been waiting for. Big round of applause there for the IBM uh, 7094 from 1961. Um, this ties to sort of two stories together, really, um, because not only is it, uh, well, gosh, what, 50 years since uh, that was uh, created by none other than by uh, John Kelly, Carol Lockbaum, and the, the the company was by the the famous Max Matthews, who unfortunately passed away recently. Very big wig in the um, computer music. I was president of ERCAM for a very long time, amongst many other things. The Mike Max Cycling Seventy Four's programming system was named after him. But it also indicates that it's been 50 years since we've been using silicon in computers, which is uh, also a quite an awesome fact. And so we've been um, enjoying the Moore's Law for the last 50 years, which is the doubling of processing power every two years, which has continued to go on and on and on unabated since uh, the 1960s. And... Um, I don't know, I just thought it was a kind of nice tying of all sorts of things together. And there are a number of things about this. Obviously, there's Max Matthews. I know, Rich, you did. Uh, you studied electronic music. Um, was <coughs> was Mac, Ma Max Matthews part of the curriculum or anything? Was he involved in any of your learnings? Well, I certainly run across his name in tracing through the history and actually uh, know somebody whose father worked with Max Matthews uh, at Bell Labs. So... Uh, yeah, I'm certainly aware of him and his significance to the to the overall picture and past, uh, and mourned his passing uh, over this last week. It was very sad, and uh, had had an opportunity to revisit Daisy along the way. So uh, <laughs> it's funny, but about his the, contributions were significant there at uh, Bell Labs. It's my early autotune, says uh, Red Walks. It does sound a bit like uh, quite a lot of uh, top forty vocals at the moment, that as well, doesn't it? <laughs> 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 come back into so fifty years later, it's come back into fashion. Everybody's actually trying to sound like this. Um, I, I don't know. It's it's an interesting thought that um, somebody who's able to get in uh, involved in this technology as it becomes available 
can you can become so sort of instrumental and pivotal in the future development of those sort of things i mean that's something that you know we kind of miss now because it's so all this technology is so much more available to everybody there's not really the opportunity to get involved in something that is so completely out of reach i mean i guess you had it with the fair uh, with the um not the fair light the uh Synclavio. The Synclavio, you know, because again, you know, that was out of most people's reaches. So it's kind of an interesting, you can plot a course, you know, through of, of a career by being able to kind of get access to these things early on and also having um, a, a certain amount of skill and uh, aptitude for these things. I know, uh, Dave Spears, um, did that sounded, I was really surprised at how good that sounded in terms of articulation, to be honest, considering yeah, how, yeah, how long yeah. ago it was. Yeah. I was, uh, I learned something this week. I didn't know that that was the relevance in 2001, where he starts some um, turning Hal 9000 off. Ah, uh, because Hal sings Daisy oh, yes. at the end, yeah. isn't it? And I didn't know that, and I'm really pleased that I learned that. The so Kubrick I could be a connection. Bore. The real yeah. nerd. What? Assuming you ever leave your uh, your office again and and socialise with people. <laughs> Well, I occasionally go down to do this kind of pub quiz thing, although I missed last week's, and the specialist subject was on musical instruments. <laughs> oh! Well, maybe you'll have a computer musical instruments round, which you can get involved in as well. But, yeah. I, I mean, there's a number of attributes to this to this topic, which, I mean, one was um, the whole concept of Moore's Law. I mean, there are now thinking... We're now thinking that uh, that we're coming to the end of... Uh, what do they call this? Is the third parallel paradigm or the fourth paradigm? I forget now. I was listening to uh, Ray Kurzweil talking about uh, Moore's Law and these paradigms of, you know, we had valves and uh, silicon and da, 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 da. And I think we're at the third paradigm. The fourth paradigm is going to be another major advancement in technology that's going to uh, uh, allow the continued exponential growth of um, the power available to us as, uh, in computing. And I, I, it's just an interesting idea that, you know, what on earth could that be? Because now we're, the, the computer manufacturers are getting to the point where they're making multiple cores rather than really fast ones. And uh, this is going to require a sort of fairly major shift in authoring of software. Uh, or do you think someone's just going to blast through with some sort of chip you grow in a yogurt pot that, you know, has immense power because it's almost like a brain? And Dave, I imagine you might be well-placed <laughs> To, uh, to speculate on some of this, being, being at the cutting edge of software development as you are. Yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> as well, being at the end of a paradigm, I think more like being at the end of my bleeding tether. <laughs> um, I don't know. I did read something recently it was about memory being grown in yoghurt pots, and I thought that was quite intriguing. I don't know is the honest answer. I, th- I think um, we just kind of go where it goes. That's very zen-like, but... It is very zen-like, but, it, I mean, it is also... Uh, we are... Because in the same way that chips were... You know, we the iteration was very easy to spot because they just got faster, and now it's not so clear because they all have all sort of various different caveats, like, you know, they have super clocking mode, and when they're not clocking, they're doing it one clock rate. I mean, it all just... It's harder to know. I mean, I personally find it almost impossible to figure out what these Core i chips do or are. There's no clue in the name at all about how fast they possibly can go. So we're sort of, it's almost like we're being taught not to care about that by, or marketed, it's being marketed at us so that like, we shouldn't care so much about the speed, it's the capability. I don't know whether that's true or not. Um, Gaz, I mean, have you got enough power? Do you, would you like more or do you think you know, you, you're, you're fine where you are? <sighs> 
I, I, that's a really interesting point. I think, you know, um, computers sort of have reached a point where I, I think it happened a few years back where there's kind of seemingly enough power to pretty much do most things. And my computers are both a couple of years old now, but they're still perfectly useful machines. So I think it is quite interesting that, you know, they've reached a, a, a power point where, um, I mean, obviously you could always do with a bit more, but I, I tend to never kind of run out with my, with my machines now. I've got like a, uh, a 2008 Mac Pro in my studio, uh, an eight-core one, uh, and that seems to have plenty of life left in it. So, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting that, you know, um, uh, like in the past, I always wanted more, always wanted more, always wanted more, but I seem pretty happy with my stuff now. So I'm not thinking of upgrading. Uh, so, but I think the, the, the Moore's Law thing has always interested me. I think it was coined in 1949, I think, in fact. So it's uh, I, been... I've, I've got a quote. I'm afraid it's a little bit later than that. I'll have to pull oh, you up okay. on that. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually by uh, Gordon E. Moore, who was initially yeah. was the Intel co-founder, and he wrote it in a paper in 1965, which is still oh. kind of pretty All good right. going. That's, you know, the, the year I was born, you know, so that's pretty well, pretty well kind of spotted there. But yes, it has been so, around a long time. Yeah, and, and I mean, for years, it, like computer games were the thing that seemed to just kind of keep driving sort of uh, um, chips faster and faster. That seemed to, in terms of um, uh, cutting edge stuff. But I mean, um, like the games machines, like the Xbox 360 and the PS3, they're both quite old units now they've been on the market for sort of five years or so and there there's no uh kind of uh successes like the immediate future so it's all quite interesting everything has sort of reached a speed point that's uh that maybe the programmers can't sort of exploit beyond uh well, we, sure. I mean, we've talked um, about the whole kind of multi-threaded, multi-core programming issues, and it's a real problem because you've got to be race, was it race conditions? You know, if something gets there before something else, it's all a bit of a nightmare. Uh, some great gags coming in from the chat room, which I feel I can't ignore. Uh, we're talking about um, yogurt pot memory, uh, Yakult 20 megabyte side bus. Uh, there's also Activia, yeah, Activia PSU. I wonder whether or not it is going to take something like this which will free us from perhaps um, the manufacture process. I don't know. I mean, I, I think a lot of this, again, is down to the innovative, in, innovative innovation of software developers, really, and how they use it. Because up to now, you know, it's been growing and growing and growing, and it's probably resulted in lazy code. You know, we've got bloated – we've talked about bloatware before. But just because you can, there's all this capability there. Well, I'll just use that. It's not very efficient. It doesn't really matter because there's loads of oomph there. So maybe it's all going to start, you know, there will be more finesse in coding. And we've seen it recently with with much higher quality emulations of uh, instruments and what have you. So maybe that's going to be, it's going to be more of a philosophical uh, or a code writing way of doing it. <laughs> I don't know whether that's, there are any languages that or authoring platforms that are going to make that easier. I mean, you perhaps know that more, Dave, if there's actually tools that make writing software easier, hence we get jumps in innovation through that way i don't think so 
Probably. I, I, like I, I've always said, I'm not a, I'm not a programmer. Blimey, if I claim to be a programmer, I'd be laughed out of this entire company. Um, it's just really smart people doing really smart things. And like you say, you know, no bloatware, just refining stuff over and over and over. It makes a big difference. Yeah. I know, Rich, what do you think? Um, uh, we haven't come to you yet. I mean, do you think we've got enough... Is it just about innovating with what we have, or do you think there's room for, you know, do we, do we need super-fast, extra-fast computing? <laughs> Never enough. No, Never the enough. fact is I bump up against the ceiling on almost every computer I use on a regular basis, particularly with real-time communications like what we're doing right now. As yeah. I observe the two processors in my little Mac Mini, which are just around 2 gigahertz, uh, you know, a Core 2 Duo, two gigahertz or thereabouts, uh, they're cranking away to keep up with the live stream. And uh, until such time as I don't ever have to think about it, I reckon that they'll continue. And that, that I'm not sure that day is ever coming because in, you know, 25 years it hasn't come yet. Um, and well, I mean, running a DAW, it- I can max out a DAW quite easily if I want to. I, in other words, I have to look at it as a limitation within which I must work and approach it prudently in my workflow now. And as long as I still have to think about it, and I think that's probably going to be forever because of the combination of bloatware and the, whatever the physical limitations are, um, yeah, I'll always want for more. And, and the demands will keep increasing to meet the current standard of what's possible and push you to want more again. <laughs> Well, there's an interesting uh, – another thing that, uh, again, Ray Kurzweil, this is a really good – if you get a chance to check it out, it's on the Twit Network. Leah Laporte um, interviewed Ray Kurzweil, and Ray Kurzweil just basically talked his entire theory about this, and it was really interesting. I mean, one of the things that he's saying about the next paradigm is much tighter integration between human and technology. So, you know, for instance, he was saying, you know, I'd, be, I'd, I'd love it if I didn't actually have to carry a mobile phone. I could just have that functionality built into me. You know, I don't, I don't need to carry this thing. I need to want to take calls. I want to be able to communicate. He could quite easily, he, according to him, he could quite easily see a time where we could be able to have that sort of integration with technology so that we didn't have to worry about, you know, picking your keys up or whatever. It's just, it's just with you. And you, when you think about it in those sort of terms, you think, well, maybe there is actually scope for much tighter integration between what we're doing and, and, and how we uh, communicate with it, certainly in terms of UI and what have you. Maybe that's kind of where it's going. I mean, certainly that we're seeing that a lot with iPad stuff because it's much more with you. It's part of your kind of luggage rather than a place you go to sit in front of to do your thing on. So, I mean, there's, there's going to maybe there are a lot of shifts in that respect. respect. Well, and the challenge there as well is the energy uh, part of it because I, I suspect the heaviest thing about this rather weighty iPad, and even the new one is pretty weighty even though it's a little less weighty, uh, is the battery. And uh, as long as power generation technology is, is heavy, uh, difficult, and expensive, we're going to be struggling up against that in terms of the handheld and the portable markets, which is going to take up more and more of the overall market, it seems, because of the – ubiquitousness, if such a word, or ubiquity of these devices uh, now that you've got Motorola and you've got uh, what Android, everybody's got a touchscreen tablet now. I wonder what it is about the, because I mean, we're talking about kind of efficiency of energy. I mean, because obviously, you know, now we've got dual core uh, smartphones and all that sort of thing, whether that's kind of uh, suffering from the same 
limitations as Moore's law, which is like, you know, some of these uh, transistors on the silicon are like 100 atoms wide. You know, you can't get much smaller than that. Whether that's a problem on the smartphones or now what they're working on is this sort of power efficiency and how, far, how much further we've got to go with that. Because, I mean, obviously, the lithium-ion batteries, I mean, we just started using these lithium-ion batteries in our recording devices, you know, in our... Uh, uh, radio mics and our zooms and all those things for Mesa and, and for NAM, and they are just rocket. I mean, they're eight, ten times more efficient than, you know, they last so much longer than any other batteries, and they're quite light as well. And I wonder how much of it's down to, you know, where, yeah. whether we're up against it or whether there's actually quite a lot more that we can go in terms of power efficiency for such small things. That's funny. Well, it's, certainly, it's my, we, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Carry I'm, on. My only conversation with a programmer recently was uh, involved exactly what Rich was talking about and exactly what we're talking about here in terms of power efficiency and bus speed. Those seem to be the kind of next big steps where all the R&D is going. Okay, so hmm. it's the, 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 the ability to move the data around between modules of the, the, the processing unit and the storage and what have you, and the display, that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, I wonder whether this sort of Thunderbolt thing is going to uh, make any... Because I guess yeah, you know, we, exactly. haven't, we haven't really had a major increase in bus speed for quite some time. I mean, Ethernet gigabit is, uh, has been around for a long time, and I think you can go a bit faster than that. Uh, you can do fibre channel, you can do all these things, but it's not been widely adopted. I mean, th- maybe Thunderbolt is Thunderbolt, isn't it? I've got that right. Yeah. Maybe that's going to yeah. be, because that's, what, 10 gigabits? Still not 30. 30 gigabits. I mean, maybe that's going to make a really big difference because I remember on the old Macs, you know, it was always the new bus um, that was the limitation, wasn't it? It was how fast you could move the data through to the, to the, to the new bus card and whether it would, uh, you know, whether you could have a fast SCSI and a sample cell and an Audio Media 2 card, all those kind of things. Whereas that's perhaps less of an issue. But I mean, guess it's going to still be so. Interesting thought. I mean, bus speed. I hadn't really thought about it in those sense. I mean, certainly in terms of internet, we can always do with faster. Do you ever have pro- do you have problems with moving the data around, Rich, in your system? I mean, is that a, a bottleneck, or is it more to do with just C- just raw CPU for real time processing? Oh, I can just easily fill up RAM with bloated virtual instruments um, fairly quickly, and see a marked decrease in the performance of my DAW if I'm running, say, and I'm not picking on these companies because they make great products, but if I want to run, say, BFD2, uh, contact with some big fat Tom Scarby bass patch in it, uh, ivory piano, and then a bunch of other sample library stuff to flesh out an arrangement, my computer is heaving if I don't start printing some of that stuff pretty early on, because just to maintain enough RAM. So that, now, right. actually, it's, be- it's better these days because Native Instruments, I think, allows you to use RAM outside the host, which is really kind of cool. So you can actually load up contact pretty well and not affect it. But even just Ivory and BFD2 and, and one or two other things will bring my 8-core Mac to a grinding, I wouldn't say halt, but to a crawl. Um, if I want to run them in real time over long periods of time. And, and so what happens is in my workflow, I end up printing things and then reprinting things and then printing do, them do again. You, and then do, do you think them. that the 64-bit limitation is actually the last really big hurdle then? I mean, is that kind of – if we get that out of the way and that's no longer an issue and we could just fill our max up with you know, however many gigabytes of data, then that's going to relieve what is essentially the most um, – 
limit, the biggest limitation we currently have. Well, so it's been purported, and I look forward to seeing the sunrise on that day. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Yeah, me too. I just want—I mean, I never come against—I never come up against that problem because I don't use large amounts of samples. So it's not—I, I, you know, I, and I don't know whether you're the same, uh, Gaz, because you say your computer has plenty of power for you. Is that because most of the stuff you're doing is real time rather than you know memory based? Yeah, I guess so. It is a lot of audio tracks, and uh, uh, but I do, I do, I do print a lot as well. So um, uh, yeah, I guess um, I, I still am using my power core and uh, my liquid mix as well, which uh, take a little bit of juice off the uh, off the off the processor as well. Right. Um, uh, but I, I just wanted to clarify something about Thunderbolt, though, because I think I wasn't quite right. I think ten gigabit bits is the speed for the the current copper uh cable version but i think that it's once it once it goes optical i think it's got a sort of theoretical speed of 100 megabits ah, right, because okay. yeah. it, it can feed displays and stuff which lead need obviously a massive amount of data moving along yeah. so, so it's a sort of multi-purpose even though as yet we haven't actually seen any physical hardware although lassie have said we've got something coming um and apparently uh i could be misinformed about this but i heard that apogee is working on audio interfacing with yes i uh, think I saw, I think i saw an announcement yeah. on that as well that was but these are kind of uh, so far it's all on paper isn't it but uh mm. but yeah you see if it if it is in fact pci speeds um then it could reduce native latency to to as little or less than card latency and actually change the landscape of the native input monitoring world in a huge way. Yeah. Just mm. on a very simple basis. Just one thing it might do. It actually mm. uh, presents the possibility that you have an external bus that's going faster than the SATA bus that your system drive is running on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, if it's got, yeah, I mean, if it's if it's handling graphics, then it's got to it's got to be that fast, isn't it? I mean, that's just so speedy. It's a, it's, a, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm I, I'm, but I'm guessing the net result is they're going to make computers that um, we have to buy. Even though the processing, we might see marginal increases in processing power, larger caching, you know, faster busing. But it's essentially well, it's essentially going to be down to two things then: sixty-four bit memory addressing with all of you know in a musical world. And then also um, just the, the actual bus speed that we've got in and out of this thing. Then that once those two things are removed, then the processing can probably tread water for a little while, maybe. Because I was thinking about like Moore's law, and Moore's law saying about the is like the amount of transistors on a chip doubles every uh, eighteen years. months or whatever two it years. is. Two years, uh, but. Surely, then, if if there's just more and more multi-core, multi-core, if it goes just more and more, it's multi. Does, does that mean that Moore's law is kind of still holding true, but rather than it's sort of just uh, just in a like a layered way, rather than sort of because uh, <laughs> yeah, the amount I of kind of pro- it's, it's parallel processing rather than just raw grunt. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That's uh, interesting. I mean, I, I, I would, uh, I'm, I don't feel qualified to debate the, uh, <laughs> the, um, you know, the, the. The details of that one, unfortunately, I'm not really um, that okay with it. But 
It's a very interesting. It's. I mean, it does seem like we are at a point where things are, are likely to change again in a big chunk, rather than sort of just a little bit. You know, we've had iterations that seem a little bit more incremental, or in, certainly maybe in the last three or four years, and maybe we're about to take a bigger leap with something like Thunderbolt, and that's that, that's that's got to be good, I'm sure, or useful. Or maybe it doesn't matter at all. I mean, I must admit, my computer is is struggling a bit to cope with all of this. I mean, the 8-core is fine with all of this video processing stuff, but the the laptop now is not doing very much. It's just displaying, you know, the chat room and um, my notes and all of that sort of thing. So it doesn't have to do very much anymore. So, you know, maybe that's okay. But anyway, that actually is the uh, last topic on the list. So unless anybody has got anything else to uh, to add, uh, we've sort of... we've we've. Um, We've become the victim of our own Moore's Law and uh, finished finished uh, finished early. We've reached we've reached the end of our third paradigm, and um, next time we have to join the fourth paradigm, whatever that may be. I know, and I know not. So, uh, uh, yeah, the pub that sounds like a great idea, actually. <laughs> Certainly, painkillers of some description. I do hope so. Oh, Avid one hundred ninety two one nine two built on Thunderbolt. I think it's going to be yeah, says uh, Timothy Glasgow in the chat room. So there's a lot of there's a lot more of this stuff coming anyway. So I mean, it's going to be exciting. But I think, you know, we're we're going to need some a radical kind of just flip around in in the technology for us to be off on a on another one of those sort of galloping uh, multiplication things. <clears throat> uh, multi- multiplications of God, I'm talking absolute nonsense now. I think it's time to stop. So. Uh, <laughs> Solid Talk number 215 is um, gradually f- falling to its knees under my, che- <laughs> uh, under my guidance. Well, thank you very much, everybody. Um, thanks very much, Dave Spears. I know you've been very busy, and I appreciate you taking some time out. Maybe you should get outside and catch some of those rays before, before getting back and get out of your chair and take a stroll round. But uh, thank you very much for joining yes. us, Dave. Thank you. Good fun. Uh, that was uh, g4software.com. Stay tuned for good things coming soon. And we'll go up to Gaz, where I will reach both of his undergarments there with my... Yep, we'll hold hands there. Uh, thank you very much, Gaz. Uh, songsurgeon.co.uk, uh, thank you very much for joining us too. Um, I always appreciate it. Look forward to next week. Uh, there is going to be a show next week. I, I'm not forgetting Great. to say that there isn't. And once again, thank you, uh, thank you, Rich, for holding the fort there. But yes, thank you, Gaz. And we'll also say thank you in my disco pose, to Rich Hilton over there uh, in sunny in Connecticut, <laughs> you off into the studio later. Uh, yeah, lots to do today. Um, lots to do today. Well, cool. I hope you have a good and productive day. And once again, thank, thank you. you for hanging out there. And uh, and I, I understand you were hanging out in the chat room after your last gig in Tokyo, which is which is very very kind of you. Oh well, it's fine. I, you know, we love those guys. So, uh, yes, and thank you very much, everybody in the chat room. I think we got all of the kind of indications back on the site. So while we've been broadcasting, the the signs are up saying, come join us. And you have. So thank you to everybody in the chat room. Uh, We really do appreciate your input. It's uh, it's really, really helpful. And... uh, and very amusing most of the time, too, because you have such a lot to, <laughs> to add. And I'm particularly fond of the gags. I guess all we need now is a topic for the show. So I'm going to leave that on the, uh, on the back burner. Um, but while I do that, I will be saying uh, thank you very much. That was Sonic Talk number 215. Uh, remember, join us live, sonicstate.com forward slash live, 4 p.m. UK times. And also we want to thank our show sponsors, yamahadownload.com. Okay, thanks very much. Mm-hmm. 
します。